and welcome to this week's edition of The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge Television, brought to you by our good friends at Ditchwitch. Bass Edge TV can be seen on the World Fishing Network and starting in January on the Outdoor Channel. This is Outdoors Dan, along with the host of Bass Edge, Mr. Aaron Martin. How you doing, pal? Hey, I'm doing great, Dan. We've got a pretty good lineup today. Uh, you do. You've got two mental people, and you <laughs> in a very nice way. You've got Mike Iaconelli, who's just really known for his mental ability to find fish anywhere, and then we were going to have Dr. J on the Inside Edge, and I'm sure Jay is going to be talking about his book. Uh, yeah, probably, but I think he's going to tie that into exactly what Mike is talking about and and why Mike is so successful. You know, he's really put together kind of a run here in the last uh, last part of this year, so we'll be checking in with him on that. Always a very competitive fisherman. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, to say the least. You ready to go? I am. Let's do it. All right, folks. It's all right here for you on the edge. You're listening to The Edge, the official audio program of Bass Edge. Brought to you in part by Ditch Witches On. Experience the revolution. Uh-oh, look here, I got one, I got one. Look here. <laughs> I mean, he whacked that football jig. The blades will dictate a lot of times the speed of the retrieve or the depth of that bait. Oh, good fish, good fish. Did you see him come off that log? Woo, look at that stuff gun, man, that's awesome. You know, you've got to just stay active. Fishing is not easy. Oh, man, that's a toad. This is unbelievable. All right, welcome to the Edge Outdoors, Dan Young, along with the host of Bath Edge Television, Mr. Aaron Martin. How you been, pal? Hey, I'm doing well, Dan. I'm anxious to hear about, you know, all this hunting that, you, that you've been doing. Uh, Steve and I have been talking about the last couple of weeks that you're probably sitting in a tree stand or walking through a cornfield or something somewhere, so I was just curious to see how all that went. Well, it's been uh, good and bad. I tell you what, it's, it's been a weird year. With all the late rain we had, all the field crops are still in. And, you know, it's really hard to get the deer to come out when they don't have to. they got all that cover. It's like fishing. You have sure. to look at that cornfield as a totally separate forest. Well, yeah. and you, I think you bring up a good point there because that's exactly what Steve and I was talking about. You know, there's a tremendous amount of uh, things that relate both to hunting and fishing. This, the same tactics that you have to apply in fishing, you have to apply in hunting. Yeah, I mean, if you got a weed bed, you have to look at that as a whole other structure line and, you know, in a different position in the water. So, I mean, it's just like if you're hunting and the, if the corn's still in, you got to look at that as a whole other forest right in front of you. It's just been good. We uh, I scored on a nice eight-pointer in Kansas, got a 142-inch green score eight-point, which is a nice eight-pointer. That's, man, that's wonderful. You, yeah. Did you get that with your bow? I did. All, everything with the bow, yeah. And uh, that'll be on the TV show next year. And then got a turkey. And uh, we just finished it. We did a pheasant. I haven't done a pheasant in two years. Yeah. And it just, uh, I had some buddies of mine call me and say, let's go up to Northern Iowa and do some hunting. We did. We shot our, we were three guns. and I'm sorry, we were four guns. And we're allowed three birds per hunter, and we shot 11 birds in three hours. So wow. we almost got our limit. Now, did so you we, use dogs? Uh, we did, yeah. Yeah, Aaron, I'm not going to be on the ground sniffing. I, I'm, <laughs> not, I'm not as mobile as I used to be, you know. But, uh, no, we had we had dogs going out. It was a good hunt. Actually, my dog, Muzzy, my puppy, went on his first hunt. He actually flushed a bird and got it for him. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty good. That is exciting. Yeah, it was. I, I still can't move. I'm, I bet you we walked six miles. Oh, man, that's the downside, you know. Bird hunting is extremely exciting, and I love watching the dogs and, and just getting out and walking. You know, you get to be a little bit more mobile than what you do is sitting in a tree stand, but, man, you can sure put some miles on. No, it was crazy. It was like 12 degrees. You know, we had insulated bibs on and everything else. When you're walking through all that stuff, it just really kinks you up. But, no, yeah. you know, the hunting's been good. I, it's, uh, believe me, the hunting right now is better than the fishing. Yeah. Unless you're down in the, in the southern area. Yeah, right, right. You might be ice fishing if you're up north, huh? Yeah, actually, there's ice on the water here in Iowa. So. Wow. 
it's crazy already. How's everything in Bass Edge? I've been gone for a couple of weeks. Yeah, everything's going well. You know, we uh, we finished up uh, filming, so that was kind of surreal. Nice to kind of bring that and ramping up uh, to get ready to launch here on the Outdoor Channel, so that's good. Just a, a lot of things happening there at Studio A, just trying to cram as much in as what we can to get ready for the launch, get ready for Christmas. You know, you got the holidays in there and uh, just got past Thanksgiving, so everything's going well, man. I cannot complain whatsoever. Oh, there you go. And you got coupon codes now. What's yeah, we, uh, we launched those. I don't know if you remember, Dan, We, when you and I talked about this early on, we basically said that we were going to come out with some ideas and ways to uh, save some dollars, and uh, Don and, and the guys put some things together, and we actually launched those last week. The problem is we got inundated with uh, emails. I guess I read through those too quickly on the coupon codes because there's three different sets. So just so you know, at the end of the episode, have your pen and pencil ready because I will restate those codes, tell you how to get involved in those, and that is exclusive to Here on the Edge and also the e-newsletter uh, listeners or uh, readers, rather, that can get in on that, kind of our way of saying thanks to where we can pass on some savings to them. There you go. Hey, this time of year, your space the answer, huh? Oh, man, I tell you what, you know, if, if you can put the cold out of your mind, and, and again, I think we need to bring up safety here because we're coming out of, obviously, of, of fishing in warmer weather. And, you know, you get out there and now the water temperature has obviously dropped like you speak of. You actually have some ice up there. But even if you're down in the south, you know, that, that water is starting to dip into the 50s, which is still very, very cold. So make sure that, you know, you keep that uh, life jacket or that inflatable with you. But bottom line is there's a, some great fish to be caught. One of my favorite things to do is take, uh, you know, those suspending jerk baits, whether it be a Rogue or a Lucky Craft or there's uh, one of any numerous brands that's out there that you can use. But bottom line, you know, get on those steeper 45 degree banks with some of that chunk rock because that rock will heat up. Uh, obviously, those darker rocks, you know, that you can find that more dark in color. Those fish will come in to feed on those bait fish and just Jerk those down, pause in between, and, man, just watch your line take off. Yeah, I tell you what, those are a lot of fun. I, I remember back in January a couple of years ago, I was using a suspending minnow, a little Johnson minnow, and I was catching bass right off cedar trees. It was amazing. And there was ice all over the edge of the water. and They were wanting something that was going to lay there, right there by that cover, and well, they ate them up. Well, and that's the thing. I, I think you bring up a good point there is it's the pause that's the important piece, kind of like the space between the notes, you know, on a symphony. That is how you attract the strikes is when that bait is sitting still, you know, those fish, especially in clear water, that's the effectiveness of a jerk bait is because you can see it. And those fish will come up from the bottom, and I mean, they will just hit that thing and then just take off, and you better hang on. But, you know, one of the other things I want to mention before we have to get out of here is I like throwing that on a spinning reel, and it uh, gives it a little different action when you jerk it. Plus, it's a lot of fun. Oh, absolutely. All right, you ready to get out of here? Let's do it. All right, we'll be right back with Anger Mike Iconelli right here on the edge. Give any type of boat the edge with MegaWare Keel Guard. It's simple to install, and we can now beach our boat anywhere. If you own a boat, you need one of these. MegaWare Keel Guard protects the keel of your boat from sand abrasion, from underwater obstructions, even concrete boat ramps. Kit started under $140, and best yet, it's guaranteed to keep on protecting for life. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard. Welcome back to The Edge, brought to you in part by Ditch Witches Zon, establishing a new standard in trencher power and versatility. All right, we are back on The Edge, and joining us for this week's Angler Spotlight 
is Bassmaster Elite Series competitor, and also this year, uh, Strin, Northern Division competitor, and that is uh, Mike Iconelli. Mike, thanks so much uh, for being part of the Edge. Oh, it's great to be here. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, Mike. And, and you know, um, one of the things here on the Edge that we don't necessarily focus a lot on, and, and that's tournament finishes, but you're going to have to bear with me for a second, because I know this probably bothers you, but at my last count, dating back, I think, to, uh, to about June, I think you've got eight top ten finishes uh, since then. I, I know on just the Strin Northern Division, I, I think you never finished out of the top ten, and then you went on to the Strin Championship and finished eighth place. you got to be feeling pretty good about right now. Oh, it, it feels great. Uh, i got to tell you, this is, uh, this is probably one of the best I've, I've ever fished in my entire career as far as, you know, top finishes. Uh, it, it's a great feeling, you know. It's hard to sit here and explain it exactly, um, but, you know, it's, it's one of those things, I think, where you just start making good decisions, you know, things start moving in, in a positive momentum and uh, and you're able to keep it going. And it's 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 a great feeling, you know, and uh, boy, I wish the season didn't have to end. You know, I wish I could keep fishing. But it, it was nice. It was a nice stretch there for a while. Speaking of, of getting a start, you have a, a phenomenal story that, that has been told time and time again. But, you know, let's rehash that just briefly and, and talk yeah. about how you got into the sport of fishing. Okay, absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah I'm, I'm honestly real proud of it. I don't mind talking about it. It's great. For me, it was, I think, a lot of just getting a love for the sport early on, you know, and that was basically my family, you know, got me introduced to the sport when I was just a kid, you know, a couple years old. And um, when I graduated from high school, I joined the fishing club. And that, that really, for me, was the spark of seeing the competitive side of the sport, you know, and uh, I fished at really at the local level for, for a lot of years just out of a small boat. Um, and then when I was in college, uh, I started fishing some of these pro-am events as an amateur, you know, and, uh, and there I think that's when I, for the first time I said, you know, this might be something I'd like to do. You know, before that it was always kind of just a dream, you know, this would be a dream job, but but in college, it started to make sense that, you know what, this might be worth trying to do. And uh, and from there, I really kind of worked my way through the federation program, um, through the, the, the FLW circuit, a lot of their local tournaments, the BFLs, and, um, and just started cutting my teeth. And, and it was almost like every couple years, I was able to just move up a little bit, you know. And I never made a, a big jump, but I was able to just kind of keep climbing that ladder. And um, qualified to fish professionally in 99, and 11 years later, I'm still doing it. It's a great, great sport, and uh, I'm real lucky, you know? Well, and, and I know through your book, and then obviously uh, through um, your, the CD that you issued on, on your system, you are probably the best as far as actually developing a plan and then working your plan. And for a lot of anglers, you know, we often get the question, just to fish better, not necessarily, you know, to make a living out of the sport, but just right. to become a better angler. How do those play into your favor? I think one thing is that everybody really kind of develops their own style, and they, they figure out in life what works for them. Um, and, and one of the things that I've relied on in, in my fishing over the years is kind of stuff that worked in other parts of my life, you know, and, and take school, for instance. You know, when I was, when I was in college, I was a big, huge uh, no taker and, and big into outlines and, and really doing a lot of preparation and, and I'm really trying to carry that over into my fishing and, and so preparation, pre-prep, uh, organization, tackle management, all that stuff for me is probably the most important thing in, in my fishing. You know, I, I've said this from day one, I, I don't think I'm a natural talent and, and there are a lot of them out there, you know, Kevin Van Dam, Aaron Martins, uh, Danny Browers, you know, those kind of guys I think can fish off the cuff better than anybody in the world. Now, I, don't, I don't know that I really have that, but 
but you know I'm able to gather a lot of information. I'm able to do research. I'm able to use maps and kind of come up with an educated guess about what's going to happen. In conjunction with that, you know, I, I really anal about organizing tackle and having the equipment rigged to what I need, and kind of all that stuff helps me get into the the mental side of it when you get to a lake. You know, I, I think the biggest thing where you could get better in fishing is the mental side. So when you do things to make that process easier, then you're more effective as an angler. And so, um, you know, if, if you can do things in your fishing that when you get to a lake, it, you're not engulfed by a million problems or a million decisions. You still got those decisions, but things are more manageable. When you put things in that context, you fish a lot better. And that, that's what I've really done over my career. So could you help us understand, because perhaps maybe for some of us it might seem when you talk about tackle management and map preparation and, and all the, the many things that obviously you demonstrate on a daily basis and you're very good at, where would you, I guess, focus your attention in getting started? What would be the thing that you would go after first that you feel would provide the most benefit to up-and-coming anglers who maybe are just getting in the sport or who yeah. maybe have gotten, you know, kind of trapped in some of their ruts. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I, I say all that, and you want to tend to think that, oh, this is just for a guy that fishes professionally. But honestly, this is what I've been doing since, you know, since I fished around just around the house. And, you know, I, I'd say there's there's kind of the two parts to it. And the one is the pre-prep. You know, and, and the pre-prep for me, again, is, is just getting a handle on where I'm going. And so it could be a local lake, you know, if it's a, a local lake around your house, you've never fished there before, you can do research on it, gather historical information. You can do that through the Internet. Internet's the best way to do that now. You know, Google the lake, and you can look up uh, old articles, old newspaper articles. You can look up state agency articles about the fishery. You know, there's all these ways, back issues of magazines, all these ways you could find information about the lake. Um, and then the second part of that would be to gather maps of that lake. And, and the same thing, you know, don't think that just because you're lake is this little 10-acre lake down the street, almost positive there's a map out there about that lake, whether it's from, you know, the, the municipality or the state or the township or, or government agencies, there's maps out there. And so you're able to kind of get the historical information, you can make notes on that, you know, look for buzzwords, look for highlight words, write all that down, start jotting information down. And that's really getting your wheels turning. And then you've got your map. And then from that, the, the, the last part of that would be kind of this thing that I call, which is a general seasonal outline. And, you know, for me, that's a template of what all fish do in their lifetime. And so for bass fishing, it's pretty structured. You know, what a bass does in winter, spring, summer, and fall is pretty structured, no matter where you're at. If you're in Canada, Texas, California, or if you're in New Jersey, the fish pretty much follow the same plan. So you take the historical information, you take the map, and then you kind of guesstimate and, and, you know, where they're going to be in that seasonal pattern. When you do all that, you've honestly got over half of the puzzle solved before you ever get to the lake. You know, and that's really what fishing is all about. It's about figuring out a puzzle. And so that more information you have, the more pieces to the puzzle you have before you get there, the better you're going to fish when you actually get to the lake. Speaking of figuring out the pieces of the puzzle, I mean, all of us have been there, whether it be on a recreational day or, or even if we were to take it on a more of a macro scale and looking at an entire season, you know, we've all had kind of the slumps or when things aren't going exactly as we had intended. And I think that just uh, speaks volumes about angling in general. You know, you have done a great job this year of, of really turning and, and shifting and developing some consistency like we spoke about earlier in the interview with these yeah. last finishes. You know, yeah. break that down. Perhaps maybe answer the question first. Are you a big believer in momentum and how does that play into your consistency? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think uh, from perspective of momentum, um, I think that fishing as a sport 
is no different than any other sport. You know, uh, basketball, baseball, hockey, football, it, it's the same. And, and you hear in those sports about, you know, athletes getting into the zone. And, and that, to me, is absolutely something that happens in fishing. And, you know, and when you get into that rhythm and things start moving in the right direction, a lot of times you can stay on that roll. Um, you know, I've, I've had it, and hopefully this one will last for me. I've, I've had it go years where it just feels like you cannot make the wrong decision, you know. And, um, and I've also had slumps. I've also had periods where you go a year and it feels like nothing you're doing is right. But the bottom line of all that, I, I think really what it boils down to is that mental side. And it boils down to fishing the moment, you know. And that, that's a topic, man, we could spend hours talking about it. I, I love talking about that. But, you know, fishing the moment means that you're, you're kind of taking bits of that stuff that I just talked about, which is your historical information, you're taking bits of that template, but ultimately you're fishing for the now. You're not fishing what you did two days ago in practice or a week ago or a month ago, or you're not fishing your favorite hole from last year, but you're listening to the fish. At every cast, you're opening up your ears and you're listening to the fish. And when you get a bite and you catch one, that fish points you in a direction to the next fish. And it goes on and on. And, and that cycle is very much a rhythm and is very much getting into the zone. And, uh, boy, I wish I could figure out how to do it for my whole career because I'd be a, million, I'd be a millionaire right now if I could figure out how to keep doing it. Well, you're, you're certainly not doing too bad, and, and you've certainly demonstrated that here the last few events. And, I'm, you know, there's no question and no reason to believe that why that it wouldn't continue. But in doing that, you know, it's almost like you have to be conscious of, that's like anything else, like a, a football player lifting weights perhaps to train that particular muscle. You know, are there things yeah. that you do uh, for yourself you know, may, maybe it be meditatively or just, you know, kind of trying to get yourself into that zone pre, you know, a fishing day? Yeah, I think I think there is. And, again, I think that probably the best thing you could do is breed on those right decisions, you know. And, and so I think what that means is, you know, when you catch one during a day or, you know, if you have a good tournament day, to kind of look at that and say, you know, why did that happen? And then and then build on that. And so, you know, for me, a lot of times that means going out there and you have an idea of what you're going to do. But if that's not working, you've got to be free enough. You've got to be open-minded enough to try try something different, you know, to actually kind of keep practicing as, as your day goes on and to keep learning. And, and when you're able to clear your mind and when you're able to do that, you know, you're fishing, you've been fishing a jig and grass all week. And you go out, and 20 minutes goes past, you don't have a bite. Trust your feelings. Trust your feeling to say, you know what? They might have moved up on this flat. And throw a buzz bait, or throw a rattle trap, or throw a Carolina rig off the edge. And, and to trust those instincts. And the more you do that, and the more you, you have positive results, the more you're able to keep that momentum moving forward. You know, and, and speaking of trusting your instincts and, and, and really uh, managing your strengths, I guess, you know, would you say that if you look at your season in general, was there one particular style of fishing that you always go back on that obviously has paid dividends, you know, when maybe you're not having the ideal day? Or do you just... Um, you know, you just kind of listen to the fish and, and go whatever and do whatever needs to be done. Right. Well, I think anglers should should work toward whatever their style is. I, I, I'm a big believer in, you know, everybody's got their own uh, style. But for me, it's, it's kind of been the same this year. And even when I look back and, you know, look at the year I won Angler of the Year and, you know, the year I won the Classic and, and look at some other seasons that I had that were real good, it always, for me, always kind of boiled down to that versatility. And what that means in my fishing, it, it usually means relying on my first strength, which is power fishing, you know, covering a lot of water, creating a reaction bite, but being open-minded enough that when that stuff's not working, that I go to my second strength, which is really finesse fishing, you know? And so, yeah, 
and looking back on this season, it's been that way the whole year. Um, I really rely on that power fishing. When that's not working, I pick up my spinning rod and, uh, you know, finesse plastics, uh, the shaky head, the, the new true toast and worm, and that's bailed me out. And so, you know, it's nice actually that we're talking about it because it's reminded me how important that is for me to keep doing that, you know, in my future, which is to, to keep that versatility in my fishing. I, I think that's the key to, to being successful over a long period of time. And that goes for even if you're just spending a day recreationally on the water. I mean, it doesn't even have to be in a formalized competition. Absolutely. That, that versatility factor, um, you know, will make the difference between going to your favorite hole and never getting a bite or going out and having a good day. You know, I think it's important to keep an open mind. It's important to be able to fish different styles. Um, and it's a great place to learn how to do that when you're fun fishing. You know, I, I honestly think the best learning platform in fishing is not tournament fishing. The best learning platform, when you learn the most and, and those memories are burning your brain the most, it's when you're fun fishing. You know, I, I look back on my fishing and I, I honestly am the fisherman I am today because of the fun trips that I had when I was by myself or I was club fishing for nothing more than bragging rights. They, they were the best days I've ever had in my life, and, and that's really when you learn. Well, and, and to add to one thing that you said earlier, probably some of those same moments and, and same opportunities here in our last closing minute are what you're allowed to focus on, which kind of propel you to, you know, those positive successes that you had in the past. Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, you definitely need to take a little bit of what you know, what you learned, what you're presently learning. You need to take all that. You need to keep an open mind. And if you can combine all those factors, you're going to figure out that puzzle more and more every time you're out in the water. Well, Mike, unfortunately, we are out of time. I just cannot believe how quickly this goes by. But uh, great information. And once again, thanks so much uh, for being part of The Edge. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Folks, I hope you really enjoyed that interview with Mike Iconelli. What a great guy. And, you know, Bassmaster Classic champion, and he's doing pretty good since June. I think, what would you say, top ten? Yeah, he's got eight top ten finishes since June. And, you know, like I pointed out at the beginning of the interview, that's not something that we normally uh, will spend a lot of time on. But I think there's something to be said, you know, when you look at tournament finishes and, and somebody at Mike's level. You know, his consistency and his focus. I mean, everybody knows, regardless of your opinion about tournament fishing, you know, to to rank and, and to finish at that level, man, he's, he's got to be doing something right. Well, even recreational anglers can, you know, when you get that much momentum going, and you know, bottom line, it's all about putting fish in the boat. Yes. So, but if you can build momentum in your in your technique, and it's just building your confidence, because I don't care what sports you're doing, and if you've got confidence in your approach, you're going to be successful. Well, and, and that's the thing, and I think, you know, uh, he, he spoke a lot about not only fishing his strengths, but also, I think his systems. You know, Mike is is very analytical, and he and he stated that. And by developing systems that he works and by working that plan, whether it be to you know organizing his tackle, boat preparation, doing his map study, getting on the internet, those are items that we can use regardless if you're fishing a tournament or if you're going out uh, you know fishing for the day over a weekend just to go out recreational fishing. Yeah, and you know, at the end of the year, most guys start to wind down because, you know, you go out there and fish 8, 10 hours a day um, every other day. It wears on you physically. Well, it does. And, you know, we, we've had numerous guests on here like Mark Tucker, Aaron Martins, uh, a few weeks back when, you know, obviously he's riding his mountain bike several times a week. Mark Tucker, obviously, you know, he lifts weights. Several of these anglers, you know, you are an athlete into 
have that type of mental focus, if you're not feeling well, then you're not going to be able to make those type of decisions that uh, that you need to make. Yeah, all good stuff right there. Folks, we need to take another quick break. When we come back, we're going to go inside the edge with Dr. J. McNamara right here for you on the edge. You've got the truck. You've got the toys. Now it's time to get the hitch that gives you more time to play with both. It's the tow and stow receiver hitch by B&W. You want options? Select the ball size, adjust the height to level the trailer, or stow it out of the way in just seconds. It's 10,000 towing pounds worth of durability, convenience, and the latest technology that has made B&W famous. The tow and stow receiver hitch by B&W. Call 1-866-BEST-HITCH. Welcome back to The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge. All right, we are back on The Edge, and joining us this week is Bass Edge's very own Dr. Fish, and that is Jay McNamara. Jay, how you doing? Good, Aaron. Good to be with you. Great to be with you as well, and I've got to tell you, after listening um, and participating in that interview with Mike Iaconelli, I promise you I felt like I was reading a chapter uh, of your book, The Psychology of Exceptional Fishing, because his... Uh, mental focus and kind of what he pays attention to and places his energy on, I mean, uh, literally coincides with exactly what you mentioned in your book. Well, that's great. Uh, he's a, he's a, uh, an intense guy who has learned to channel his intensity and be focused, I think. Well, you know, and, and one question that I have, and of course this is, you know me well enough to know that this has many uh, possibilities as far as answering, but, you know, we spend all of this time analyzing fishing and when if you, if you think about it at surface level, you know how hard can it be? You're you're making a cast with a lure, trying to entice a bass into basically responding. And you know we're here in the midst of hunting season. There's a lot of different things, whether it be deer, ducks, whatever, that's going on as well. How does that? How do those two tie together? I mean, you would think that we could just basically, you know, put our boat in the water and go and have success, but that's not always how it is. Well, it's not, and I think part of it has to do with the ratio between the behaviors that we use to perform our task and the results that we get. So if you're deer hunting and you do a good job, you might get a shot at a deer or two a year, and so you might shoot two or three times. If you're a good duck hunter on an afternoon, you might get a chance to shoot six or eight or ten times, and uh, you have to focus each time on your shot. That's your, your focus is only on this shot. Uh, when you go bass fishing, if you fish all day, you're going to make somewhere between two and 3,000 casts. And to try and pay that close attention that many times is much, much more difficult. We've all had the experience of paying close attention to several casts and then being distracted, and that's when we get bit. <laughs> right. Well, and I know, you know, in the, the financial markets, in the business world, they say, if you know, if you miss the top 10 days in the stock market, uh, you're going to have missed uh, about 95% of the return or loss in this case, <laughs> given the economic condition that we're in. But, uh, you know, that kind of ties right in with fishing. Well, it certainly does. The whole idea about focused concentration is easy for one cast. It's easy for two or three casts. But when you think about the number of casts that it takes to catch a good limit of fish. You know, the ratios, again, are remarkable. If you only got one duck every two or 300 shots you took, you'd probably quit and take up golf. Same way with deer hunting, you know. If you took 200 shots and only got one deer, you wouldn't go back. Um, you're likely to get, not likely to get 200 shots in a lifetime. In a good day of fishing, if you get 10 solid bites and you make 2,000 casts, that's 200 casts per bite. And that's a good day for a fisherman. 
um, getting into that mindset and getting into that level of focus concentration that many times without being reinforced, without getting bit, is a, is a difficult challenge to overcome. You know, and, and one of the other things I think that um, came out of the interview, but also is covered very, very thoroughly in your book, The Psychology of Exceptional Fishing, is the fact of, of putting systems in place and keeping track and doing more or less inventory. Can you speak briefly on that? Because, you know, we're kind of quickly approaching, you know, what most would consider kind of the end of the season. Well, you know, the, that's the thing that um, the average angler doesn't see. Um, what you see on TV is, uh, you know, Kevin Van Dam or Mike Iconelli or Mark Davis or Elton Jones setting the hook and hauling the fish in the boat. What you don't see are the hundreds, literally hundreds of hours of preparation, of map study, of tackle organization, of hook sharpening, of line changing, the endless number of tasks that go into that, that the great anglers, like Iconelli, like Kevin Van Dam, all those people put in every day, every week, every year to make sure that they're ready that when the fish bites, they get them. And with that being said, I mean, I, I think the way you kind of break it down, though, you you take a lot of the intimidation factor out of that because, you know, I don't know about the rest of the world, but at least for me, if I have kind of a guideline or a template to go off of, you know, chances are most of us are going to do the work necessary. But it's some of that intimidation factor of, well, hey, where do I start? Well, that's exactly right. Um, a good example is having a lake man. You know, if uh, you drop somebody in the middle of Toledo Bend or Gunnersville or something like that and say, uh, find some fish, you really, to just drive around and look would be a monumentally overwhelming task. If you have a lake map and you know what you know what the season of the year is that you're going to fish, uh, you automatically eliminate a lot of water. And same way with having an organizational system or a plan or an outline for how you organize your tackle, uh, boat preparation, boat maintenance, those kinds of things. If you've got a list, then it makes the task seem way more manageable. If you don't have a list, it's a, it's way more intimidating. The whole the basic concept of a goal with a plan is way more likely to be accomplished than a goal without a plan. Going to my next point here in our last closing minute, Mike had brought up the topic of momentum. Obviously, you know, he's posted some pretty good numbers. What are your thoughts and your feelings, and how does that impact an angler, I guess, if you will? Well, momentum is clearly a real phenomenon. If you uh, do well or you expect to do well, you have a positive emotional experience that uh, adds to all the preparation and all the hard work and all the uh, organization you've done in, the, in, in advance. So that clearly makes a difference. It's easy to feel confident when things are going well, and confidence and success tend to build on each other in a snowball sort of way. It's uh, much more challenging, um, although necessary, to keep your confidence up even when things aren't going your way. But clearly when the brakes fall in your direction, um, when the big fish come in your boat, you can have that sense of, uh, of invincibility that is hard to describe, but certainly can help carry you through difficult times. Well, Jay, unfortunately, we are out of time. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. And, you know, just for our listeners' sake, if, if you have not gotten Jay's book, uh, The Psychology of Exceptional Fishing, I mean, after hearing Mike Iaconelli and us talk about here on, on The Edge and Bass Edge TV all the time, uh, definitely add that to your arsenal because it will, no question, help you put more fish in the boat. Jay, once again, thanks, my friend, and 
look forward to talking with you again in the very, very near future. Okay, Aaron. If uh, people want the book, they can go to BassEdge.com. They can also, if they want to ask me personal questions, they can uh, get a hold of me through uh, ba- the BassEdge.com website, or they can contact my uh, Dr. Fish website, where the uh, email address is jay.drfish, j.drfish at gmail.com. Well, there you have it, and there you are. We look forward to uh, seeing you in the up-and-coming Season 3 of Bass Edge, only on the Outdoor Channel, Jay. Talk to you soon. Okay, Aaron. Take care. When I'm fishing in a tournament, time is critical. I need fast, easy access to my lures. My Cook's go-to tackle system keeps my bait organized, tangle-free, and within easy reach. It installs in minutes under any deck lid, maximizing the storage space in my boat. And its durable construction lasts even through the harshest conditions. Get organized with Cook's Tackle System by calling 1-888-390-8780 or online at cooksgoto.com. Welcome back to The Edge. All right, folks, welcome back on The Edge Outdoors. Dan, along with my good friend Aaron Martin, the host of Bass Edge. You know, Dr. Jay's right, and it does tie in with what Mike was saying. It's mental preparedness. It, it, it is, and, you know, I, I think that just all the more reminds us um, kind of the cutting edge that, you know, when Jay came out with, with his book and just a lot of that information, how important that is to, to spend some time focusing, you know, not only on the fundamentals of being prepared of making correct presentation, just like he talked about, but also making sure that we're kind of doing a mental inventory and, and putting ourselves in a situation to be successful and I think uh, Jay does a very good job of that of illustrating that and plus I walked away with some things that he had mentioned there that quite frankly I got a lot out of that interview and it kind of reminded me of the things that I need to be doing this time of year to prepare for uh, the upcoming season. Absolutely and you know folks Dr. Jay's book would make a great stocking stuffer this year. Absolutely. Just throw you a little line there. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, hey, uh, let's see. Hey, do we have a prize giveaway this week? We do have a prize giveaway this week, and it is from uh, Jason. And I, I, this has got to be a first, you know, in the 87 episodes that we've done now, Dan. This is our first one from Canada, but it goes uh, hey. to Jason A. Hey. Jason from Brantford, Ontario, Canada. So congratulations, Jason. He is going to receive a 2008 official Bass Edge cap, and a Fishing on the Edge t-shirt. Uh, so we'll get that out to him. Go Canada. Yeah. <laughs> have you been up to Canada this year? Uh, yeah, yeah, I have. Actually, I was on the Boundary Waters in June. Yeah. Yeah, I caught my, uh, what was that, 41-inch walleye? That is right. That is yeah. right. Yeah, so like it's been like a year ago, and it's only been like five, six months. I know. It, it Time flies, and... Uh, you know, speaking of time flying, we are actually, I, I just cannot believe we're in the interim here between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And, you know, speaking of which, uh, get your pen and pencils ready because last week, as I told you, I, we debuted those codes. So I'm going to go ahead and go over those now. But uh, basically what this is, it's for those who might be just tuning in, exclusive to the Edge listeners and e-newsletter subscribers, uh, Bass Edge is offering, you know, some discount codes. And essentially there's three different things. The first one you purchase Season 1 and Season 2 Bass Edge DVDs, and you're going to receive $5 off. And here's the code for that first one on the DVDs. It's 07F, as in Frank, 9389F, as in Frank. You simply enter that into the uh, coupon box when you place your order. The second one is you buy any two Bass Edge shirts, 
and you get the third shirt absolutely free. And that code is E as in Eric, 1, D as in dog, B as in boy, 3, 9, E as in Eric, F as in Frank. And the third and final is you spend $50 on Bass Edge branded merchandise, and you receive $10 off. 20% savings there, and that code is C as in cat, A as in apple, A as in apple, 2, B as in boy, 4, 4, F as in Frank. So there you have it, and there you are. Yeah, and for all you ham people out there, let me help Aaron out here. It's zero seven Frank Niner three eight Niner Frank, or that was the first code. Second code Echo one Delta Bravo three Niner Echo Foxtrot is the second code, and the last one is Charlie Alpha Alpha two Bravo four four F is in Frank. I'll do the I'll do the Frank for you. There you go. See now, I just learned something. I've, I've always <laughs> wondered how that. So uh, for the ham radio operators, and I guess also the military, huh? Hey, yeah, Alpha Bravo Charlie Echo Foxtrot Golf Hotel. You got to go through the whole thing. Gotcha. We don't have the time to go through the whole thing, but you should learn that because someday you might be stranded out in the water. And if you're sitting there yelling Frank, you might not like what Frank looks like when he comes up. But if you say Foxtrot. Things might be better. <laughs> yeah, I'm just worried about you. Sometimes. I know. See, Dan, you're always looking out for me. I am. That's what I appreciate about you. Hey, folks, make sure you visit BassEdge.com where you can send in your questions. Please put your contact information in there. You can also register to win. Sign up for the free new e. Uh, help me out here, Aaron. Free e newsletter. It Thank must be that you. food poisoning. E newsletter. That's what I was trying to say. I knew I'd get that one way or another. You got great new video tips up, the latest info, and much, much more. It's all free for you at BassEdge.com. You ready to get out of here? I am. I am. It's been quite the day. All right, folks. We're going to echo Foxtrot right out of here. You have a great week, and we'll see you next time right here on the Edge. Bass Edge would like to thank the following sponsors who make the Edge audio program possible. Ditch Witch, Mother's Waxes and Polishes, V&W Trailer Hitches, Megaware Keel Guard, Cook's Tackle Management Systems, Ardent Rule the Water, Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Superstart Batteries, and the Clarks Hill Partnership of Georgia. For more information on Bass Edge, including our television show, training materials, e-newsletter, and podcast, please visit www.bassedge.com. Be sure to join us next week on The Edge.